Welcome to the Bull City Summit Podcast, a place where science, technology, art, and music converge, and a place where you can hear more about the Bull City Summit, September 15th to 17th, 2022, in the Bull City of Durham, North Carolina. Today, BCS CEO Parag Bhandari hosts from the EarFluence Podcast Studio at American Underground in Durham. Here's Parag. Hey, this is Parag with the uh, Bull City Summit Podcast. Man, am I excited for this one. You know, I uh, woke up this morning and I did not have the Statesboro Blues because A, I'm in Durham. B, I'm with Mr. <laughs> Brett Chambers. <laughs> the one and only. Man, am I excited for this. Brett, thanks for thanks for joining us. Oh, man, thanks for the invite. <laughs> I was, was just, this is it's, it's fun. Yeah. We haven't even done it yet. We haven't even done it yet, We haven't even done it yet, fact, man. I'm even here. What, a, what, what, what an awesome, Before I have awesome to go teach morning. class. Yeah. Well, incredible. So, you know, this podcast is about, obviously, Bull City Summit and, you know, the... the, the By the way, congratulations me. on that. Hey, man, thank you. Thank you. We're just getting started. And, and, and I can't wait to have this conversation because you're a big reason why Durham means so much to me. It's cool because, you know, with the science and technology aspect and the academic aspect, trying to merge that with music and art. I mean, geez, you are just perfect for this. And I'm just so excited. And again, thank you. Oh, thank you for being here, man. So before we get into all this stuff, you know, I would like to kind of make just a quick little intro to our listeners. Um, you are a lecturer at North Carolina Central University. Yes. You teach mass communication and education technology. Professional uh, development. Amazing. Right. Um, but you didn't stop there. You're on the Lyceum Committee? Not anymore. Not anymore. For the NCCU. Okay. No, Hip Hop Initiative Advisory Group. We used to be, but that went away. Jazz Research Institute Advisory I need to update my bio. Update, <laughs> update your bio, but this is all the amazing things that you've been involved with and all kind of going towards your, your commitment to, geez, I, can't, I, don't even, I don't even know how long we but have. But they'll have a thread. We're going to need couple days to talk about how incredible it's all, your it's all, it's all a threat dude it's, it's all connected it, it, it just amazing and and just love to learn more about your background you know who what when where why how did you become so awesome i just grew up around some really interesting people and you grew up here kind of kind of here in north carolina i was born and raised in southeast dc amazing okay where i was exposed to just a range of people and also some situations because of the time mm -hmm. that I went through. And then I'd come to North Carolina because my mother is actually from Durham. Amazing. And she lived and grew up in Walltown, and she attended Central. But she grew up two blocks from Duke University. She wasn't allowed to apply to Duke University, wow. even though she was a really good high school student. She gradu graduated from Hillside. And I say all this because this is, this is how my background kind of is like D.C., Durham. Durham County, okay? Washington, D.C., Durham County. And I had those two things to kind of go back and forth. I remember, I vaguely remember this when I was a real young kid, infant pretty yeah. much. But I remember having to go up these steps at the Carolina Theater. Turns out it was 97 steps because eventually I was on the board of the Carolina Theater and we did a, a historical piece for the upstairs and we re referred to it as 97 steps and one part when I was at TVD and we moved our neighborhood heroes program out of the station into the Carolina theater to make it to build the community help start how long ago was that geez early 90s okay. and, and the cool thing was my my GM at the time was a guy named Tim Bennett 
we were on the upstairs on the top balcony. They hadn't even finished putting the chairs yet because want, we wanted to do a location scout. And we were looking down, and he said, what's up? And I said, there was a time where I had to sit up here. Yeah. Now I'm bringing a one-hour live television event in here. That's great, man. Yeah. Four, five years later, Connie Campanero asked me to be on the board of the Carolina Theater. Wow. My mother could not apply for to go attend Duke. She lived two blocks from the East Campus. Her mother, my grandmother, was a maid at Duke. My great uncle, her uncle, worked in the lumberyards. My cousin worked in the gardens. One of our neighbors was a nursing assistant because black nurses, registered nurses weren't really allowed that way. And then I ended up going to attending Duke and actually graduating. Yeah. It was hard. I mean, that, that that's just the start, man. And what's apparent is that thread you were talking about is just this 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 drive for improving community. Mm-hmm maybe based on institutional things, racism, whatever that you just kind of described are things that are part of, of, of the history. But what you've been doing, it just, there's that, that thread that you keep on talking about. So you grew up with, you know, with these, this, this sort of mission. Basically. Yeah. I, and I don't, I didn't, the mission wasn't like, and sometimes when I've, I've been interviewed once, once before by, I think it was the Chronicle ages ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, that, were you on a mission? I was like, no, not really. At the time, I just kind of thought, well, one, I wanted to be a doctor at that time. Mm-hmm. I grew up wanting to be a doctor. I really wanted to go to either Duke or Air Force Academy, but Air nice. Force Academy to, one, you can't be a jet fighter pilot. Your body geometry is wrong. I was like, oh, that's the nice way of saying we're not letting you near our plane. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, man. I mean, it's just all these different things, man, that, that kind of created situations that exposed me to things. So when I was a young kid, my godfather, Uncle Billy, Billy Best, he was he was so into music. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, a lot of the, the old cats were like into, I mean, they were into all kinds of music. But he introduced me to, he played, it was a Milt Jackson piece. And I was just like, and I'm a kid. And I, rem- and I still remember hearing it, but it, it impacted my life. Yeah. So... That started it, and then my my parents they had a good, pretty good little record collection with everything from Broadway shows to Nancy Wilson and Dionne Warwick to James Brown, Aretha Franklin, yeah. and and all kinds of like classical, like Rachmaninoff and Stravinsky. Those two of my favorite guys, and so you know it's like that whole range, and because of the people that they knew, we were in. My sister and I, my sister did ballet. And she did ballet from the time she was like four. So I was introduced to some of that. I didn't do ballet, but, you know, I had to go and sit there and watch her. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got dragged. So it was all of these kinds of things that exposed me. So I knew that they existed. Yeah. Funny story. When I moved from the city out to the county, playing basketball. Well, I wasn't playing basketball. That was the point of the story. I kind of gave away the punchline. Nice. Um. One of the teachers asked me, let me see your moves. Throw me a basketball. Throw it back. And he was kind of frustrated because this went on for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, did you come from Southeast D.C.? I said, yeah. He goes, don't you play basketball? That's I said, great. No. <laughs> and he looked at me and was like, what? I said, no. He goes, don't you play any sports? I said, yeah. Golf, tennis. Wow. I swim a little. And he thought that was the like weirdest thing ever. Wow. 
He just went back in his office. And I tried out for the golf team. But other than the fact that I was not the early version of Tiger Woods. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't bad. But there were also golf courses where I still could not play. Wow. Because I grew up on segregated golf course. I really didn't know white people played golf. Wow. And people always get astounded by that. They're like, what? I was like, no, you have to understand. I played at Langston. There weren't white people at Langston. It was yeah. a little golf course in the city of D.C., East Potomac. I didn't see white people out there. Yeah. For DuPont Park, didn't see them there. I mean, the courses were segregated. Yeah. You know, maybe I didn't notice them. You know, I don't know. No. But it's just this whole thing of people tend to act like these things did not happen and everything has always been cool. It was cool for me. I was a kid. I was still around some people that cared about me. I always felt safe and secure. I wasn't worried about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when it was when I was confronted with it, then I, I noticed it a lot more. You know, I was like, whoa, okay. Because when I came to North Carolina, I never went to a golf course. You know, I didn't hear the guys down here talking about, oh, let's go, you know, shoot nine holes or 36 holes today or 18. So I use it in my class to kind of point out perspectives and what you've been exposed to. And all of that has kind of shaped the way I see things. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's so inspiring. It's obvious because you've, when I, you know, before we're talking about mission, but it's more like you see this purpose, basically. Yeah. That's well, being shaped by injustices, being shaped by also, you know, I know you briefly mentioned, you know, the records and the music because you have married the two in order to do what your purpose is, your mission is, with this, um, this amazing list of accomplishments on this bio that's that's outdated of yours, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like that, that, that's how this all happened. Oh my God, there's so much more I want to talk about, but like you're, you're taking your personal history and man, we can talk about race. We can get into everything just like everyone else has. But it's, but it's, it's not just race, it's culture too. That's, exactly, because, I was just because, about to say that. Because one of the things that, um, like you've been to my open mic and you see how open is really, I believe in the open part of my oh, yeah, open mic. Of course not. I mean, I've had Portuguese love chants. Uh, we've had some a band that sounded kind of like the Chieftains, except mm -hmm. this blues guitarist wanted to play with them, mm -hmm. so it added a whole different level to it. We've had jugglers. We've had, yeah. I mean, it's like everything, right? Comedians, rappers, poets, everything. But that, but that's also influenced by I've met all those people before. Mm -hmm. I mean, that those cultures before those those cultural points before I've met awesome poets, poet laureates, and people like that. Because my my parents surrounded us with really smart people. Mm -hmm. and, and diverse. I mean, you oh, the... Yeah. yeah. Like when I moved to the county, my my fr I learned about Jewish culture because my really close friends were two doors up. But their mother loved to listen to Blue Oyster Cult. Nice. And I had no idea who they were. Mm -hmm. But she loved them. And, and that led into some other things. I joined a drum corps just because I wanted to... You know, it was a, an organization that you could be a part of, march and play, and I was playing trumpet by then. Mm -hmm. And it was just a lot of fun. And that was, I was the only black guy in that one. Yeah. But we had like an Indian guy, one guy that was Hispanic, yeah. a couple other folks. And mm -hmm. it was just, it was just a really weird combination. And it was in the Prince George's County at a time when there was still some trepidation about who are these people coming out here to the county. Mm -hmm. And but mm -hmm. you know once you were in and you were working with the family you were working with the family yeah and uh, I'm still in touch with some of those people to this day you know we we check on each other yeah and things like that so 
And that's the other thing. You, building building a family, I call it family. Some people call them networks. I call it family sure. community. Of course. And you take them along, you know, you kind of, the ones you, you're connected to, you stay connected some kind of way. Yeah, no, and, and everything that you're involved with, again, let's go back to that theme of a thread. Like you, I want to learn more about your, I mean, you, when you leave here, you're going to go teach. Yeah. Your academic life and career before we get more into Brett's open mic, which I guess is how you and I met initially, but your academic career is built on a lot of that stuff. It's built on your sort of dedication to helping your community through, you know, your channel of music. Is that some of the stuff that you teach about in, in school? You know, walk us through some of your curriculums that are kind of built by some of these experiences you've had. Our goal is to have you go from passive consumer to active participant. Okay. And that's what we do. So basically content creation, certifications, mm -hmm. and then collaboration. Mm -hmm. So they learn how to work together, not just in the classroom, outside of the classroom, but also reaching out to other people so that they can. It's like the second assignment in my class is you have to go apply for a job or internship. Mm -hmm. That forces them to do a resume, which almost none of them have. Sure. Then they, I tell them they have to go to the career center. So they either do it virtually or because our career center is wonderful. We have people that are committed and they do things like, they'll, I mean, they'll review your resume, review your cover letter. They have a database there that has a whole bunch of stuff. So the students don't just have to rely just on like Indeed or anything like that or LinkedIn. Yep. So they're all in our career center has all these connections to all these places. It forces them also to find the resources that are at their disposal because most of them don't have a clue. Or they've been told about it, but they're like, oh, I don't need that. So I'm trying to get them also to learn how to use resources. Yeah. So go to the writing studio, you know, work on your writing. You have a write, you have writing coaches over there. Work on your writing. I put up there are five things that step on my board that in my informal research, going to like National Black MBA. Association, um, Association of Black Journalists, or I went to CES two years ago, and there were people hiring there, and and I talked, and it five, it comes down to five basic things: writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, <laughs> reading and writing. All right, oral presentation. Sure. All right, being able to speak well and do a good presentation. Uh, data analytics, qualitative and quantitative. Yeah. Right, and then there's inquiry or being curious. Mm -hmm. The fifth one, and fourth and fifth can be interchangeable, good attitude. Yeah. And they said, if you have a good attitude, we can help train you on the other ones, possibly. But we need to have you be a little curious, self-starter, and have a good attitude. If you have those two things, we, we may be able to help you write a little that's bit. A, that's incredible. As much as I want to try and compartmentalize this into like a it section about academics and it a section about Brett's open mic, that's not going to happen because one of, the, one of the first things you say when you go on stage is, you know, rule number number three is have fun. Like no, rule just, number one. Rule is number one. Sorry, my, <laughs> where, okay. where am I? Rule even, number one is where am fun. I even going from? Rule number three. Jesus, Rule number one is about respect. Yes, oh yeah, my which God. is also very important. This but is true. Have this fun. Is true. Rule number one, and yeah. it's just like it, that's. But when you go into the classroom, you're saying the same thing. Yeah. In a completely different way. I remember. I'm Preparation is how you have fun. Yeah. No, I. I'm going to shout out to, to my, my first boss I ever got him, Harvey Leeds at Epic Records. I remember my exit interview and saying that, like, you know, that I was just being, you know, uh, I was 
being aware of the the training and the, and the apprenticeship and all that stuff. But, you know, the training is the same, whether you're behind a drum set or you're behind a desk. desk. Yes. I remember saying, I remember saying that and him, him saying that to me. And I mean, that's what you're doing. You're, you're teaching these kids like, okay, whether you're going to be a professor or you're going to be a musician or an artist or creative, it's all kind of boils down to these basic things process. And you got to have, you got to have fun with it. Respect the process. Totally. That's how you had, I, I know some people that, and I've met some people and interviewed people over my career that won Nobel prizes, Jefferson awards, run multinational businesses and they all have the thing thread in common is they they believe they gave into the process did what needed to be done mm -hmm. and that's how that that's what that's why they had so much fun doing what they mm -hmm. did mm -hmm. one of my favorite ones is i love oprah and i interviewed oprah a number of times and when we were at tvd yeah uh wow. she came to the station one time the first time i interviewed was in dc it was at a uh, a conference in dc and her Energy is real, man. I mean, wow. that is not fake at all. That is just like this woman. But when I interviewed her, it was like it was just her and I in the room. And I was like her her energy is just so incredible. But that's the way her whole team is. Mm -hmm. That Stedman was there. That's awesome. He's like Mr. Focus. That guy's like, you know, people talk about like Patrick Riley or, you know, a really good coach. He's that dude. And he had already he had his own story because yeah. he and I talked while I was waiting for her to get get ready, and he's amazing. So it's like all these amazing people are around other amazing people, which helps, and they all push each other. Yeah. And that's the way I when I when people ask me about like my experience at Duke, I'm around people. I was around people that we still push each other. Yeah, there's a guy named Fred Goldring. He's like an amazing creative dude. Uh, plays guitar, mm -hmm. and everybody that was in this band we had. They're all like doing cool stuff, and they're always, no matter what level they're on. Uh, Fred's like an entertainment attorney, but now he's doing like some kind of stuff in audio. He has like a, a data thing called a, you know, a music aficionado or something like as a iPad app. And we're both the the one thing that gets us both laughing and, and texting each other or calling or when we see each other reunions, we talk about our daughters. That's great. <laughs> That's, that's what great. we do. That's, that's what we great. do. Oh, the whole crew, all, yeah. all the girl dads, man, we all get together. That's the stuff, man. That's amazing, man. That's the stuff. You know, and and you know, it's a great segue to 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 Brett's open mic and Blue Note Grill. It's that it's that commitment, that that passion that you have through what you're doing, you know, academically, and then just translates to this incredible weekly event that that's how we met because you are a drummer from another mother. <laughs> and uh, when I met you, like, wow, two years ago, this is funny because uh, it's the pandemic and I'm hearing like this slide guitar, like out in, you know, I'm like, it's like good slide guitar. It doesn't sound like a dying cat in the alleyways of Durham, North Carolina. You know, it sounded awesome. I'm like, where is their music? And it's coming from the Blue Note Grill. Right. And it was... Shout out to Bill. Oh, shout and out Andrea. to Bill and Andrea. Oh, my Lord. That's been my home away from home for years now, ever since coming back to Durham. And man, met you uh, at one of these Tuesday nights. So tonight, you know, they do this weekly thing. And then right, you that's do... the Blues Jam. They do the Blues Jam. And then you do, hands down, one of the best shows there. But there's a whole history with this thing that okay, you've been doing yes. called Brett's Open Mic. Yeah. And... I love it because your whole 
again, let's go back to thread and your whole sort of just mission is so apparent with your enthusiasm and your energy with Brett's open mic. You play drums with a kick-ass house band. Uh, you got Delaney, you got Will, little Low Taylor in there sometimes. Don't forget coffee. Coffee is the coffee's the man, of yeah. course. You got you got you got a killer team, killer uh, house band. You play drums, and then you're all about getting whatever up and coming to like serious artists like Diane Carter and everyone in between to just come up and play and do their thing and have fun and yeah. express themselves. And it's just so awesome. And I've gotten to play drums a few times and it's just amazing yeah, playing with that Yeah, sometimes I band. get to play too. Yeah, sometimes you get to play. Yeah, because Cedric shows up. <laughs> Ced Dude, Cedric, yeah. my man, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Wow, that guy's good. I have to give Cedric Harden a big shout out because we've been around each other for a long time. And he's incredible. He's just, he, besides he's a, a really good drummer, he's just an awesome human being. Dude, you got drummers who are, who can feel, and then you got drummers who are like, you know, mechanical, and this guy is just both. I mean, he's yeah. just, but, wow. But the what was interesting last week is C.J. Baker showed up, and I've known him for since he was a baby growing up. Because a lot of these young cats now, it's like they're like grownups and got kids and families and you know, either working full-time and doing music. And I watched them grow up, and I'm like, oh, my God. And so, like, I hadn't seen these guys. Like, Joey Holloway, oh, my God, this guy's a killer keyboard player. Uh, watched him grow up. Uh, he went to Central. Uh, CJ, he's been around for a minute. Shout out to Ken Smith on bass. Yeah, right. Ken Smith. But I'm talking about these young cats. Ken is cool. Yeah. Shout out to Lynn for letting him come out and play with yeah, us. Yeah. But at the bar, sitting at the bar, was a young man named Archie Logan who when I was at Talk of the Town, which is where I actually started the open mic, That's he awesome. is an amazing drummer, yeah. cool dude. He plays with a band called Who's Bad. They're a okay. Michael Jackson tribute man. That's right. And then just as I was getting ready to get done, this young man whose whole family I've been like interacting with, I see the shadow. And he looks at me, and I'm looking at him, and I can't see the details yet. And I'm like, I'm thinking, is that? And he goes, it's Iaji, man. It's Iaji. It's, kind of, it's like Iaji. Hamden. Mm -hmm. This kid was out in LA. He's moved back. But his brother, Brevin, plays drums and was incredible as a percussionist and drummer. Um, his father used to play for Luther Vandros. Wow. And his father is how I met the whole family because his father came in with a guy named Chip Sharon, who was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of he played the bass line on Rapper's Delight. Yeah. So that was back when I was at Talk of the Town. But I've known Chip since he was in Stanley Baird's group. Oh, my God. It's like there are all these connect, all these nodal connections. You've got this, like, parallel, you know, history of everything you've been doing. Again, back to threat. You know, what you're doing with academics and what you're doing with music. You know, how did how did you start Brett Chambers' open mic? I mean, it was you're 25 idea. years strong. Yeah. You're, you've just did an amazing interview with Spectrum News. I mean, the, what you've built with that, man, that is exactly where we're trying to go with Bull City Summit in a nutshell. How'd you start it, man? So how I started, oh, man, I used to attend like these jam sessions mm -hmm. from the time I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Playing drums. Well, I started playing drums, but mm -hmm. then I switched to trumpet. Trumpet, yep. Yeah. So junior high school and high school, I was, in I was playing trumpet. Mm -hmm. I played percussion a little bit one time in orchestra because I, I could play timpani. There were only three trumpet, I mean, two trumpet parts for that particular piece. So I went back in the back and played timpani. That was fun. Nice. Played in drum corps. 
marching band. Then when I got to Duke, I played in jazz ensemble for at least a year. Mm-hmm. Um, got to play with Dizzy Gillespie. Wow, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, Mitchell and Ruff, they wow, were really man. cool guys. Now, mind you, this time I was at that point, I was still thinking I was pre med. Mm-hmm. Not soon after that, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but throughout the, the time, it's like I took jazz history, this guy Frank Tiro, which then led me to this woman that I met in the basement of the the music building who told me I needed to take her class. And I didn't know who she was. And I went upstairs and told Dr. Tiro, I was like, I told her I already took jazz history. He's already writing out the drop head slip. He, he said, I said, who's that lady? He goes, who? He just looks at me and goes, Who's the keyboard, I mean, a piano player for Andy Kirk band? I was like, Mary Lou Williams? He goes, just stares at me. I was like, I thought she was dead. He goes, obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> and wound up having jazz with her. Um, That's cool. I just told a story about, uh, I won't tell you the whole story, but working for CBS Records, yep. right? Doing what we do. Mm-hmm. Herbie Hank does a concert at Duke. The next day, he has a day off. I'm still trying to, like, take care of him, you know, doing my marketing promotion stuff, but also just chilling because I'm, like, 19. I'm getting to hang out with, it. like, Herbie Hancock. Feats don't fill me now, all of that. That's great. And I had to go run some errands, and then I said, oh, I forgot I have class. I was, oh, what you got? I was like, Jazz History goes, oh, that's cool. <laughs> he said, Who, who's teaching it? I said, Mary Lou Williams. He goes, can I go to class with you? I took Herbie Hancock to my class. It's incredible. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Yeah, wow. she, yeah, she wasn't there that day, but Father O'Brien was, and our Father O'Brien asked him to play. He eventually did play. He did the history of piano playing. I was a college rep, and I worked the Ken Burns jazz, you know, box set. That's as close as I got. <laughs> wow, man, you're that, that's incredible. But here's and and this, and this this is important to the lineage of how I got there, because Mary Lou Williams, Duke, and then it was. African dancers from Arthur Halls from Philly. Then he introduces me to Chuck Davis, who introduced me to Bill T. Jones. Who nice. I was in Bill's piece, which I'm not a dancer, which I kept saying, but I was in the premier Bill T. Jones's first piece, premier piece at World American Dance Festival, uh, which led me to playing for a class that led me to work at w, uh, WREL, which got me to TVD. And I'm still wanting to play music, but don't have time. Sure. And then I decided I'm going to start back, eventually buy me a drum set, 2112, shout out to my boy Steve, who's now deceased, but his boys, Tony, they're keeping it going. But anyway, it's like drummer's heaven. But anyway, so I'm doing that. I'm talking to Coffee and his buddy and his former band, well, his bandmate passed away, Fred. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, it's like, yeah, man, I finally bought me a drum set. They just stare at me like, what are you doing with it? I'm practicing. Where is it? It's in my bedroom. You're not going to get any good practicing in the bedroom. Come out and play with us. We'll let you do a couple of songs. It's like, okay. I didn't say okay. Right. I was like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't play with y'all. Y'all are good. <laughs> and he goes, well, you won't get any better playing in your bedroom. So he, I came out, played with him two, two songs at the Talk of the Town, because they mm-hmm. were a regular there on Thursdays, and they were like a hot group at the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, there has to be other people like me who play, sing, do something. Do they they like to just do it in front. They don't really want to do it in front of everybody else, but they need to so that they know if yeah. they kind of get that motivation. Yeah. So I went to Sam and just said, hey, Sam, I got this idea. Pitched it to him. 
I play. Other people do. We just come in here. He goes, okay. <laughs> and I was like, what's your slowest day? Wow. He goes, how about we try it on a Wednesday? Because my guys are already here playing cards. That means I only have to stay a couple extra hours. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. Yeah. We'll try it. We can move it. Okay, we'll start this Wednesday. We'll learn as we go along. I only had 12 people, six of which were the people that were already there playing cards. <laughs> At the end of the night, and this is where the spirit of open mic was started. Yeah. Sam just looked at me and goes, I'll see you next week. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah. Dude, we had 12 people. Go, That's great. Maybe you have more people next week. That's great. I said, really? And now? You going to let me come back? Oh, my God, yeah. He's like, no, nah, you got to come back. Just show them that you're going to be here whether they're here or not. They'll exactly. show. And we had more people, more people, more people. Then one day he said, I think you can get this thing to last about three months. <laughs> Six months if you really do things right. I'll be shocked if you last a year. Wow. So at the fifth anniversary. That's great. <laughs> We, I was walking out, I packed up my stuff, because at that time I, I had enough storage room, I could leave my drum kit at his place. And we just looked at each other, and we just cracked up laughing, and he goes, see you next week. Oh, <laughs> and man. And you that became our thing. I just, see you next week. It's so, it makes so much sense that you've kept it going for 26 years. That's insane. The community and, uh, kept it going, man. I really, I, and I, I don't mean that to, it's, that's not any false humility yeah, or anything. Totally. My dad used to always just say, just do your damn job. Totally. My job, I know. my mission I is know. to show up. I know. The people, I mean, we, when the only reason why we left Talk of the Town, because we were there for, we were going to celebrate our 10-year anniversary and the 15th anniversary of Talk of the Town being open. We were going to combine and do this big thing. Sam had a stroke. That's the only reason I left. And his wife said to me, keep it going. I'm going to take care of your friend. You take care of the open mic. That's incredible, Brett. And, and, and so, you, you went to BU. Now you're at Blue Note Grill. You oh, know, and I have, my, right. I'm sure you have plenty of other venues. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. Not a, it's not a lot, but everyone, because every place we've been, we've been from a, a period of time. Yeah, yeah. So we left there. Uh, Harvey Yancey had just opened his place on Fayetteville Street Mall. And he gave us a, because I was just there for a friend's birthday. Right. And he had just opened up, and he was, like, sharing his concerns about Sam. And he said, so where are you going to do your open mic? I said, I don't know, trying to find a home. He goes, what's wrong with my place? It's brand new. I got a stage. <laughs> I got this new sound place? system. I was like, I, I didn't, didn't know. I'm here for a birthday. <laughs> You're like, nothing's wrong with your place. Something's yeah, wrong. yeah. I'm here for a birthday party. <laughs> and so, so, you know, we got together the next day, and that Wednesday we started, and the first Wednesday we were crowded. And... Yeah. He was like looking at me. I'm looking at him because we hadn't really had a chance to really do any real, you know, PR. But I told some of my people, and they told their people, and everybody found out. Grapevine still worked, and we were there for like four years. It was um, a really cool place. And then we went to uh, Papa Mojo's, mm -hmm. Mel Melton. Mm -hmm. uh, Mel, Mel Melton, yeah. Mel Mel's fun, man. Yeah. That place, the energy in there. Oh my god, because it was so compressed. But we still have a ton of people, and it's a vibe in there. I remember when first day I walked in there, and I just like, I walked over to Mel, introduced myself, and I said, "I'm bringing my open mic here." He goes, "Who are you?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And then we talk, and then um, he's like, "All right, let me get through Mardi Gras." I was like, "The next week," and so he said, "Let me get through Mardi Gras, and we'll start the next Wednesday." Mm -hmm. So we did. Man, that place was rocking. I mean, ooh, man, that place was rocking. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was so compressed. When I saw, 
when I saw the Soul Rebels play in there, and I'm like, all that energy, and it was just compression personified. But we were there for a long time. Mel would get start feeling. Sometimes he'd actually get up and play. And Mel was like a touring musician. Yeah. We had all these different people coming through. By the way, that's the other thing. We've had world-class musicians coming through since the early days. 100%. Yeah. I, I always have to give a shout-out to this one gentleman that early on he believed in it. He would just show up just because he wanted to. He helped make it the scene, as yeah. he calls it. Yeah. And that's <laughs> Big Daddy Kane. Get out of here. The, the first Get two weeks he was there, out of here. I kept saying, why do I, why wow. do I lose, look familiar? He would just, he would just come in and just sit and just enjoy wow, it. Wow, man. And just, he was just the coolest guy ever. He was like the, and he wasn't bothering nobody. He wasn't trying to be like Mr. I'm a star kind of guy. And he was just this nice to everybody. And one day I just looked at him and I was just going down, going, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he's like, yo, man, this is really hot. And I was like, Kane? He was like. Yeah, man. Dude. I was like, I was, oh, I turned into fan guy. I mean, man. But, so, yeah. no, the, the, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm a music I'm, fan first. Obviously. Yeah. And I'm just hearing this story, man. And it's just like thread, 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 yeah, thread, thread. It's all the same thread of you're just, man, you're a staple. It's funny because like there's like certain staples of Durham. Like you've got, you know, fest, you got Brett's open mic, you've got certain things that are just so important to the culture and art and everything. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And like, you know, I think a good segue is like the pandemic because my exposure to Brett, oh, Brett's open mic started in the pandemic, started at the Blue Note Grill, which I swear I should have a bed there by now. That venue, first of all, I think it has turned into a place that people have either returned to or in my instance kind of like discovered during the pandemic but your wednesday night in particular at that venue is just it's it's home it's slam a couple hundred people every single week you're now live streaming it on no Facebook. No more than the fire code of 175. No, yeah, yeah. Even though the fire marshal's there every 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 Wednesday. No, that's the fire chief. So you're probably fire chief, even better. Shouldn't be uh, shouting him out yeah, like that. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, man, man. I that's his hideaway. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna have to. I may not see you tomorrow night. But uh, no, and it's like it's it's that's the epitome of like come back home. We're gonna get through this together. Let's get together and play music. Um, I, I want to pause you there. Please. Because, get, yeah. And, and that's because mm -hmm. the home part has been the core of what this is. This meaning Brett's open mic. Mm -hmm. And I, if I'd been more creative at the time, I thought it was going to last longer than a year. Maybe I would have had a better title. <laughs> <laughs> By the time, I just, once he said, you could do it on Wednesday, I was like, what, he was like, what are you going to call it? Brett's uh, Wednesday open mic? <laughs> well, that's actually what it started out. Brett's, Brett's Wednesday night open mic. Nice. Open um, mic. We just shortened it after yeah. a while because like, okay, it looks like we may be here for another yeah. month or two. <laughs> but the the true indication of community is the fact that when I left Talk of the Town, those people showed up and were the core people at Yancey's. When yeah. I left Yancey, and I have to do the whole thing. Because sure, please. After we left Yancey's, we developed some new folks over there. And then we went from Yancey's to Papa Mojo's mm -hmm. Roadhouse on Highway 55. And then when 
Mel decided, you know, chose to, like, it's time for me to move on to something else. Mm-hmm. We went to uh, 5850, which used to be Sunset Grill. And Dan and his people treated us. I mean, they hired a new chef to, to compliment us. When we first got there, food was great, by the way. Hmm. Really nice location, but he sold, and the, the person who bought it from him didn't see fit to keep us. And we wound up going to BU, mm-hmm. the first BU. Yeah. Yeah, because and then Dorian decided, and I learned a lot watching Dorian. And Dorian and I used to talk about business stuff, mm-hmm. kind of that the business and the energy and the perspective part. You know, both Duke alums, we talk about vision, the strategy, that kind of stuff. And I really had so much respect for him. I really wanted to go there anyway because I respected him as a business person. Mm-hmm. And as a he's a father, a husband, you know, he 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 has a priority and and I wanted to be around that kind of energy too. And the place was the smallest place we'd ever been at. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, you know, and tried to impress all of that. In the yeah, view. going into yeah. But it was so cool because it was that compression effect again with all the energy, like, Nyah! and then he did like such a ballsy move when he bought a building so he could be his own landlord. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hang out with yeah, this dude a little great. bit more. And so we went there, you know, we went out to this place called Will's one night just because it was like construction. So you have to deal with that. And it was like the new place, really nice, really slamming, had a great following there. Not as compressed, but we were attracting more people from all over the place. You know, there was a guy that I found out was driving up from Wilmington. Yeah. He used the excuse he was coming to check on his rental properties. <laughs> and then, and this is something else that I, I so respect this this young man for, Dorian. He wanted to, he was looking at his strategy, his vision, and he decided no more live music. But he did it for some really good reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there were some people who had given him a lot of grief. And I just, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to Shit. acknowledge the fact that he was doing his business for his people and for his community. And I so respected that. And he gave me plenty of time because a lot of people don't, they're like, oh, yeah, this is your last week kind of deal. Sure. He told me at the beginning of November, he's like, you know, the end of the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, cool, okay, I get it. You know, thanks for letting me come to your house. Totally, dude, that's <laughs> right? awesome. You know, thanks for letting me come to your house. You've been a good landlord or a good brother. Yeah. Thank you for letting me stay here for a while. And I drove down the street, and because Bill had been coming to see us back when we were at Mojo's. Okay. So you've known, you knew, knew Bill for a while. I knew of so Bill so. initially. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who he was, who he mm-hmm. was. And then he was, because he was out by where I used to live. He was over by South Square Mall mm-hmm. in, that, in that little area. And he was just like a really chill dude. Yeah. You know, Mel, is <laughs> crazy. Uh, and Mel and talked about him. He said, man, he's a really cool guy. You should talk to him. So I talked to him. And he said, yeah, we'll, we'll come up with something. And he had already opened the Blue Nut Girl where it is now. Right. And I went down. We had a little talk. And we worked out some dates when we could start. And we started the, since it was the end of the year, they gave both of us time because we had two months to work around things. And so that's where I've been ever since. Man, I, uh, through pandemic, so glad you're there. And the Blue Note Grill, Bill and Andrea, yeah. Andrea, excuse me, is just, 
What a dream come true, man. I mean, seriously, especially after the pandemic and all that. There, if there's one place where you can see the rebirth of live music for this community, you know what I mean? It's there, man. It's 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 the place where it doesn't matter who's playing that night. People are just there. Yeah, that you know? section of town has become like the live music place. Absolutely. Yeah, well, no, you've got Motorco around yeah. there and everything, but Blue yeah, Note Grill well, is just yeah. consistent. Well, first of all, it's live music every single night they're open. Right. Um, his commitment to artist development is amazing. What he's, what he's, you know, what he does on this Tuesday night. I mean, Jesus, I've played more drums in the past two years than I've played in the past 15. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm playing over there. Yeah. But uh, he does peace, it, the, um, War and Peace, and he does the go. Duke Street Dogs, yeah. on, and then, you know, but then all, like, the new guys, like Lowe and Gabe. and Yeah, but that's from Lawrence. It's amazing. Yeah, see, that, that is, that's what I'm saying. It's a whole community, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like... We, we've been, like Warren and I, we've been around this game in this town for a long time. You know, Bill's been doing this. That's why it's like, it's a synergy that's wow. brought together when all, you know, all of us are together like that that have been doing this. And so we have all these other different groups that have, there have been so many bands that have come out of my open mic. Yeah. I mean, just recently, Messengers of Soul. Yeah. I knew Terry White. Jives. Yeah, J mm -hmm. Jives. Uh, Will Ellis has his own mm -hmm. band. Mm -hmm. I just can't remember the name of it right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's Vibe Tribe or something mm -hmm. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, Diane Carter. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, all they they come there. They come. They come there. Bianca sings back up for her. Of course. She'll probably develop outside of that. Helena Redmond, who's only been here for about a year. Yeah. You know, we those are just the. We're doing the showcase with Helena and Jives. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's like, and that's just the new folks. I mean, yeah. you have the Yajis and Al Strongs and Danas and Yajiras and all those people too that. From the older days, yeah. Uh, Crucial Fire, Ralph was my first bass player. Wow, you know, that's cool, man. Roderick, cool. Roderick Allen, who's a he has a day gig. He's like a radiology tech or something like that. Yeah, but he does he produces his own music. But he was my first keyboard player. You know, those those are kinds of things. We have Coffee plays with yeah, so many yeah. different groups. Delaney has his own group called Delaney. As Coffee has. Uh, Delaney is dreams. the best dressed man in Durham. He is. <laughs> yeah. So. So, I mean, everybody has their thing, you yeah. know, and it's just a matter of Gravedigger. He's yeah. one of my comedians. I used to have, I used to have all these poets that were just slamming. One of them, I look at her now on Instagram, Dr. Tama. She was in a postdoc program at Duke in Psychology, and now she's like this, like, Instagram guru. Yeah. And she used to, like, slay people Man. at the open mic when we were talking to town. I mean, and she had a friend of hers named Stephanie that would do it and just kind of like go, people would go nuts for them. Man, Brett, but, thank you okay, so much yeah, for yeah. everything that you've done. And man, I like, God, this is like- See, I, you shouldn't have got me all wound up now, man. Great, good, that's up my job, class. that's I'm, my job. I'm going to class. Go, go, Yo, kids. Crush, go crush it at <laughs> class. And then uh, maybe I'll see you tonight at Blue Note. I'll definitely see you tomorrow night at Blue Note. And yeah, you definitely see me tomorrow night. Just, you know, thank you for everything you've done, your commitment to, Let's stay here for another three hours and we can talk about your commitments. But, man, thank you for everything you've done. Brett's open mic, Brett Chambers, the one and only. Thanks again. All right, man. This podcast is a production of EarFluence.
The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of EarFluence.